I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. There are some records that changed your life and some that changed the face of music. I've got an album that did both today, Tangerine Dreams, Phaedra. Released on February 20th, 1974, it was like the tablets descending from heaven. A totally new sound with no vocals guitars or drums and no conventional musical form and yet it shaped a lot of music that came after it from disco to new wave to ambient to edm and more so today in the podcast i've got a meditation on tangerine dreams phaedra musicians like steve roach moby mark shreve and more all talking about their encounters with the album and its influence. After that, as a bonus, I've got our Tangerine Dream documentary that we produced in 2020. It has some of the things you'll hear in the Phaedra piece, but a lot more with interviews from the key members who played in Tangerine Dream, Edgar Frosa, Peter Bauman, and Christoph Franca. So get the headphones on, strap yourself in, the launch to Phaedra at 50, and Tangerine Dream is only a few moments moments away. In celebration of Phaedra's 50th anniversary, we have a special offer of 50% off, a subscription to Echoes Online. Echoes Online lets you set your own schedule for hearing Echoes, listen to the most recent 10 weeks of Echoes programs anytime you want on the web or through the free Echoes app. That's 100 hours of Echoes updated daily with the latest program. With Echoes Online, you can enjoy the chill anytime. Just go to echoes.org, find out about Echoes Online. Once again, that's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Click the link at the top of the side panel to access your 50% discount. Once again, that's echoes.org. And now let's step into the dream of Phaedra at 50 by Tangerine Dream. It sounded unearthly to me. I, I never pictured people there playing it. It sounds a strange thing to say, but it sounded like it had always existed somewhere in the universe, this music, and that we were just passing it, and it was there, and while we were passing it, we could hear it. I can't really describe it as anything but, but liquid fluidity. I mean, there was a, a very soft, kind of womb-like quality about the album that I really liked. Mark Shreve from Redshift and Robert Rich talking about Phaedra, an album released by the German synthesizer trio Tangerine Dream in February of 1974. From its diaphanous silver-blue cover painting to the sidelong title suite, Phaedra seemed like a passage into a new world. It had no words and almost no conventional instruments. Instead, the three members of Tangerine Dream, Edgar Frosa, Christoph Franca, and Peter Bauman, used VCS3 synthesizers and the Mellotron with its tape loops of violins, choirs, and flutes. It all came together to create an album that was as much soundscape as music. It sounded nothing like rock, pop, or classical music, even at their most extreme, it actually was played on the radio in England. 
the first time I heard it was the first track, which will be on the second side on the record, which has to be one of the best titles that, that, that there's ever been for a track, The Mysterious Semblance at the Strand of Nightmares. The prolific synthesist Ian Body heard Phaedra in his North England bedroom. And it was on the Alan Eyre Freeman show on Radio 1, believe it or not, on a Saturday about 4 o'clock, and this track came on all the, uh, the Mellotrons and the VCS3s, and I just thought, wow, what is this? This is so cool. It just sounded like nothing else I had ever heard. It was just such a new sound. Uh, it kind of had like almost the sound of strings, because of uh, uh, Mellotrons, but strings out in space. Mark Shreve had just returned from a London pub run when he heard it on the influential John Peel show on the BBC. This particular night, I came back, I switched on the radio, I lay back in, onto the pillow, and my head started to spin, and these Mellotron chords started to wash over me. And, and almost instantly, I thought, this is possibly the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. Even punks listened to it, though. Most of them wouldn't admit it. Ja Wobble was in Public Image Limited with John Lydon. But he chilled out to the sounds of Tangerine Dream. Tangerine Dream were the antidote to me then for great big groove music, you know. I liked Phaedra was the, was the Tangerine Dream album. I liked it more than Rubicon. In England, Phaedra was a top 10 album, but in America, it was an underground phenomenon. Growing up in Southern California, synthesis Steve Roach was attracted to the altered states of consciousness suggested by the hypnotic rhythms and abstract textures. The music itself has a psychedelic, mind-expanding, consciousness-exploring aspect to the sound. Among the signature motifs of Tangerine Dream's Phaedra were rhythms that sounded like giant rubber bands being twanged in space. Sequencers, devices that played short repeating note patterns, gave Tangerine Dream a driving quality that still lives on today in techno, dance, and of course, retro space music. Tangerine Dream founder Edgar Frosa said it was a way to make their hitherto abstract sound more accessible. I said, okay, look, let's take the rhythm back first, because for two or three records, we did not add too much rhythm. Let's use the sequence a bit more so that people could feel the ground they're familiar with, you know. Rhythms are always something you can relate, relate to, even if you don't understand what goes on on the top. And let's add all the so-called strange sounds on top of it, so that they triggered by their subconsciousness, you know, which did work quite well, you know. It worked for Robert Rich. I think that was the first Tangerine Dream album that really had that boom ba loom ba doom ba loom ba doom ba loom ba kind of sound, you know. It plugs right into the heartbeat, you know, and it's, uh, it's got 
a symmetry, a, uh, a, a kind of abstraction, I think, that, that a certain mindset just plugs right into. Film scores of Alan Howarth and John Carpenter on the Halloween series were heavily influenced by the sound. Alan Howarth. Uh, even for John and I, Tangerine was one of the models, especially their sequencing. They were the, they were the best sequencer guys of the time with these very ostinato musical re repetitions, but nice choices. It was a sound born from technology, but in those days, that sound was handcrafted and personal. Electronic composer Moby is something of a scholar of early synthesized music. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing, especially when you listen to electronic music from the 70s and the early 80s, no one really knew what they were doing, you know? And I think back then, like, the equipment was complicated and difficult to work with, so to even get drum machines and synthesizers and early electronic equipment to talk to each other was quite a challenge and I think as a result you ended up with a lot more really idiosyncratic recordings. There is something about Phaedra and the other Tangerine Dream albums from this era that has remained timeless in a way that a lot of music, even their own from later years, hasn't. German synthesist Ulrich Schnauss is a true descendant of Tangerine Dream, even though he was born three years after Phaedra came out. He heard albums like Phaedra as the first to take electronics beyond novelty. What I particularly loved about um, stuff like Tangerine Dream, for instance, is the fact that they used that not like in a probably slightly cheesy, gimmicky, sci-fi sort of way. They actually used it in a very human, very organic way. They really used the synthesizer to make music, to express emotions and to create something really beautiful with it. Moby. Sonically, electronic music made in the mid-70s with all those big analog synths and the beautiful oscillators technically sounds better than electronic music being made today. You know, if you go back and listen to a Gary Newman album, or a Tangerine Dream, or Jean-Michel Jarre, like, the sounds are technically better than anything being produced today. Up until bands like Tangerine Dream, electronic music was considered cold and impersonal, and a lot of it was, but Tangerine Dream's Phaedra brought a new voice to electronic music. For some, like Mark Shreve, it was heaven sent. But for Ulrich Schnauss, it was the sound of humanity. Like a music that, is, that sounds very, very new. It's not really stuck in any sort of cultural uh, tradition, but at the same time is able to express very, very universal human emotions and feelings. I think that that's a very exciting combination. In its way, Phaedra is the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band of space music. Nothing was the same after it came out, and it remains a signpost along the electronic spaceways that musicians still continue to travel. For Echoes, I'm John DiLiberto.
We actually put this piece together 10 years ago for the 40th anniversary of Phaedra. Since then, Ulrich Strauss actually became a member of Tangerine Dream for a few years. And of course, founding member Egafrosa, he would leave the planet in 2015. Back in 2020, we put together a Tangerine Dream documentary drawing upon multiple interviews I've done with the band across some 30 years. It begins like our Phaedra piece, but goes even deeper into the group and their origins and sound. You're hearing echoes from PRX, and I'm John DiLiberto. Fifty years ago, Tangerine Dream began recording their electronic music in what was then West Berlin. Founded by Edgar Frosa, Tangerine Dream has epitomized the electronic age of music, recording over 150 albums of synthesized compositions. Their film soundtracks include Sorcerer, Thief, Risky Business, and Legend. Tangerine Dream founder and the last original member, Edgar Frosa, left the planet in 2015, but the group continues on with music he composed. Set your controls for the heart of Berlin as we explore 50 years of Tangerine Dream. Synthesis to Mark Shreve of Redshift. It sounded unearthly to me. I, I never pictured people there playing it. It sounds a strange thing to say, but it sounded like it had always existed somewhere in the universe, this music, and that we were just passing it, and it was there, and while we were passing it, we could hear it. American electronic artist Robert Rich. I can't really describe it as anything but, but liquid fluidity. I mean, there was a, a very soft kind of womb-like quality that I really liked. Moby. I remember hearing it and I was like, oh, this is like machine singing to us. Ignition sequence start. Six, five... Beginning in 1969, the United States was sending men to the moon exploring outer space. In West Berlin, artists like Agitation Free, Klaus Schulze, Ashra Temple, and Tangerine Dream were exploring an inner space that was equally strange, uncharted, and unbounded. Tangerine Dream took us into space, but their birth took place in East Berlin in 1967. The city was surrounded by the Berlin Wall. It's, uh, it's not a jail type of situation, but it's something close to it. Tangerine Dream founder, Edgar Frosa. Because Berlin is a place which is very isolated, and you can't just jump into your car and say, okay, I've got to go out for half an hour. You have to drive 
exactly 160 miles to uh, reach the other part of West Germany, and it's the so-called uh, Autobahn corridor you have to drive through. It's it's maybe more a thing which lies in a some subconscious influence. Igerfrosa started out playing guitar in a psychedelic pop band called The Ones. She lifts her dress and floats to dreamland, makes love to the sky. She lets her hair hang down. The only recording by The Ones was Lady Greengrass, but while they produced 60s psychedelic pop like The Strawberry Alarm Clock, Tangerine Dream found an entirely new musical vocabulary. She's beginning to the music scene where Tangerine Dream spawned was fueled by psychedelic drugs. Members of the group and other German bands got together and had jam sessions that were made into albums like The Cosmic Jokers and Galactic Supermarket. Klaus Schulze, who played drums on the first Dream album, was among them. Uh, the basic thing of The Cosmic Jokers was uh, LSD. That's the whole basic of the compositions. <laughs> because uh, this was a big influence of Tim, Tim Leary and um, also at this time of the producer guy who uh, was also totally influenced by Tim. A nascent version of Tangerine Dream would go on to create music for an exhibition by Spanish surrealist Salvador Dali, and no doubt that added to the already surreal tendencies of the band. These elements informed Tangerine Dream's 1969 debut album, Electronic Meditation. With Frosa on heavily distorted guitar and organ, Klaus Schulze on drums, and Konrad Schnitzler playing distorted violin, cello, and just plain noises, it wasn't a yoga record. Sounds like Pink Floyd playing the Karlheinz Stockhausen songbook, and both artists were influences on Tangerine Dream. The band went on to release more music of free-form explorations, including Alpha Centauri, Atem, and Zeit. That last one was the first ambient chamber music album. They're already creating a new sound, one devoid of the blues of American rock, but something distinctly European. Over there in Germany, we had no roots in rock and roll. We could not compare our talent in rock and roll in any way with American musicians, even not with English musicians. So what we had to do is to step away from that 
try to move through the back door into a sort of different aspects of explaining ourselves through music, you know. And so we uh, realized, okay, what, what we've got, what's our heritage in music? That's classical music and a growing part of technologies. And we haven't done anything else than combining new technologies with the roots of classical music. That's what we did. still not an electronic band yet, playing guitars, organs, bass, flute, and drums. Peter Bauman. This was before we had the instruments that we got at the time of Phaedra. Uh, so we made noises with anything we could get our hands on. We used drumsticks to hit glass and to hit uh, anything that uh, leather and this and that, and then made loops out of it. And uh, so it was a very, uh, again, a very uninhibited time uh, in terms of sounds. In 1974, Tangerine Dream arrived at what would become their signature sound. It was a music born of synthesizers and mellotrons, charged by driving rhythms and the cyclical note patterns of sequencers. After a few years again, we said, look, if we go on that way, we uh, don't do anything good. The people don't understand it. So what we can do? We said, okay, look, let's take the rhythm back first. Because for two or three records, we did not add too much rhythm. Let's use the sequence a bit more so that people could feel the ground they are familiar with, you know. And let's add all the so called strange sounds on top of it so that they triggered by their subconsciousness. The results were a quartet of albums Phaedra, Rubicon, Ricochet, and Stratosphere, the signpost works of their career.
this is a sound that you hear on the Stranger Things and Mr. Robot soundtracks. In Donna Summers, I Feel Love, much of 1980s New Wave, and the film scores of director and composer John Carpenter. John Carpenter collaborator, Helen Howarth. Uh, even for John and I, Tangerine Dream was one of the models. You know, we, when we did Halloween 3, we put on the latest Tangerine Dream record, listened to it, and, and I, because I know the mechanics of that, then went in that direction because we liked those sounds, especially their sequencing. They were the, they were the best sequencer guys of the time with these very ostinato musical repetitions, but nice choices. American electronic musician Robert Rich was one of many artists influenced by Tangerine Dream's Phaedra. I think that was the first Tangerine Dream album that really had that boom 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 kind of sound, you know. It plugs right into the heartbeat, you know, and it's got a symmetry, a kind of abstraction that a certain mindset just plugs right into. And that mindset was hallucinogenic, as these were considered the trip albums of the 1970s. Electronic artist Steve Roach. The music itself has a psychedelic, mind-expanding, consciousness-exploring aspect to the sound. British electronic artist and owner of the DIN electronic music label Ian Body remembers hearing Phaedra for the first time in 1974. And this track came on all the, uh, uh, the Mellotrons and the VCS3s and I just thought, wow, what is this? This is so cool. It just sounded like nothing else I had ever heard. It was just such a new sound. Uh, it kind of had like almost the sound of strings because of uh, uh, Mellotrons, but strings out in space. American electronic artist Moby had a similar reaction. Hearing these records in the early 70s, you know, into the mid to late 70s, and just being amazed that they did what humans weren't capable of doing. Like, you know, some of the, like, the arpeggiated stuff on the early Tangerine Dream records, I remember hearing it and I was like, oh, this is like machines singing to us. as calculated as you might expect. When Edgar Frosa, Peter Bauman, and Christoph Franke decamped to England to work on their Phaedra album at the Manor Studios of Virgin Records, they were still learning their instruments. Peter Bauman. Christoph got the sequencer, the Moog sequencer, for the first time in the studio, and he was still getting to know it. And Edgar and I were one day sitting in the control room and Christoph was kind of just noodling around trying to understand how it all worked. And I said to Edgar, hey, you know, this sounds really cool. Let's record it. That was the bass synthesizer and the main part of Phaedra. 
Their initial string of four albums on the Virgin label are considered the Bible of Berlin School sequencer-driven music. It was music orchestrated in concert, three musicians creating together in the dark. We spent a lot of time together in the studio, you know, lights out and then just start playing. And uh, if you heard some of the In Search of Haters compilation, there are a lot of tracks that were outtakes from Phaedra, from that recording. And they have their own unique style because we were together in the studio like we would play live. Ulrich Schnauss, an icon of down-tempo electronics in the early 2000s and now a member of Tangerine Dream. What I've always admired about Tangerine Dream that it's music that is done with um, synthesizers and electronic um, instruments, but it still sounds very, very and decidedly uh, human. And you can really tell that this is, this is music made by humans in the first place, where this, the synthesizer is a musical instrument, and it's, it's not about technology uh, as a fetish. Um, the, 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 the human being is, is always at the, at the core. They'd set a sequencer running, which would repeat a pattern of 4 to 12 notes infinitely while they improvised on top. Christoph Franke. In earlier days we played like a whole piece for an evening, just sound color music. And then we uh, had audience, small audiences, spe specific audience. Like when we played in a planetarium for 300 people, we could just do that, playing two hours of sound color music and all these people laughed at it. It's a little wonder that it was called space music. The band often said they didn't like that term. Peter Bauman. Well, space music, uh, that was fine. What we really didn't like was cosmic music, and that was the phrase that came from uh, the guy who ran Ohr in Germany. So uh, cosmic music was just kind of cheesy. You know, it's spatial music more even than space music. It might be hard to believe in 2020, but this music actually got popular. Peter Baumann. I remember very well when I was on vacation in Italy, and suddenly there was a telegram from Richard Branson, and he says, you've got to come to London and do interviews. Your record is in the top 10. And I just looked stunned and, and said, what top 10? The band made the British top 10 and was selling out concert halls in Europe and on their first American tour in 1976. The band would find new acclaim doing film scores, among them the soundtrack for William Friedkin's Sorcerer in 1977 and Risky Business in 1983, which included their famed composition, Love on a Real Train.
Composer Steve Reich was originally contacted to use his composition, music for 18 musicians, in the torrid love scene, but in the interim, Tangerine Dream created their own interpretation. Reich wasn't very happy and threatened a lawsuit. Tangerine Dream, who I knew in Berlin in 1976 when Music for 18 Musicians was premiered, had uh, ripped off Section 7, to be specific, and had had orchestrated it for synthesizers, changed some details, to be sure. But it was, you know, obviously Section 7 of of Music for 18 Musicians, and obviously they had been told by whoever it was who was behind it all to to do this because they had decided that it would be cheaper to have Tangerine Dream do the whole film rather than to take little bits of mine and have to edit them in, and it wouldn't have worked out as well. It's an economic decision. I saw the movie and found it to be so vulgar and so cheap and so unappealing that I, just, I felt like I didn't want to dip my hands into the toilet to get the money that was at the bottom of the toilet. So I just pulled back on the whole thing and said, uh, you know, I spit on all of them. <laughs> Tangerine Dreams found popularity coupled with new digital and computer technology began to change the dream sound. In the 70s, a Tangerine Dream concert was almost purely improvised. There were no computers and no presets on synthesizers. But as digital technology evolved, Tangerine Dream embraced it. Music became more overtly melodic and rhythmic. Christoph Franco. It makes everything easier. <laughs> and uh, you can come up with more creative um ideas sooner and there's a whole new dimension the combination of acoustics and electronics um, which is like a third dimension you can put all kinds of combined electronic instruments and forget about your keyboard castle and concentrate more on one instrument Even as early as 1985, Edgar Froese realized how classic and timeless their 1970s sound was. That's, that's true and, and uh, hard to say that, but even for us, when we go back to the so-called old days, it's quite fresh for us. You know? It's quite fresh. Yeah, one has to be honest. Peter Bauman left the band, who eventually found the private music label where, ironically, Tangerine Dream spent much of the 1980s. Christoph Franke left for a solo career and TV scores. Edgar Frosa became the lone original member as a cycle of musicians came through the band. Michael Hernig, Johannes Schmerling, Paul Hasslinger, and Steve Jolie came and won. Frosa's son, Jerome Frosa, was also a member. He took the band into a more electronica direction for a while. Tangerine Dream moved into the 21st century, changes began to occur. 
In 2014, Edgar Frosa decided to return to the sequencer sound that made the band famous. Keyboardist Thorsten Questioning, who joined the band in 2005. So the kind of um, quest or task from Edgar was to go back to sequencer-driven music, but including uh, contemporary sound design. But this, this was a quest. The idea was go back to the core ideas of, of Tender and Dream. Frosa himself did not have time to fully realize this new direction. He died tragically in January of 2015 from heart failure. They had just finished a tour of Australia and although Frosa had suffered health setbacks years earlier, he seemed fine to Torsten Questioning. The last email the day before was, uh, I just bought more um, sound cards for the computer and we just meet next Monday in, in, in the area of Vienna. And yeah, that was, was very tough and hard, so it was kind of paralyzing everything. But with the blessings of Edgar's second wife, Bianca, the band have continued on with questioning Ulrich Schnauss and violinist Yoshiko Hasana. They are a mix of repertory band and new music, and much of that new music was begun by Edgar Frosa, who left behind terabytes of sound on hard drives. He left hard disk and hard disk, tons of hard disk with, with schedules, MIDI files, complete arrangement, project files. Edgar's part is always there. Fitting, the Ergerfrosa's music is alive on hard drives and digital files. Speaking at his recording console in Berlin in 1982, even then, he thought that technology and consciousness were linked. And I do believe that our consciousness, that our brain is working in the same electrified circulation, you know, like, like computers do. And so, uh, it's a very close relationship between the technical development and the development of our consciousness. Tangerine Dream, their first album released in June of 1970. You can hear their influence now in EDM, techno, film scores, and even hip-hop. Fifty years on, Tangerine Dream still sounds like tomorrow.
Our documentary on Tangerine Dream was produced, edited, written, and mixed by me, John DiLiberto. I also conducted all of the interviews. I had production assistance from Jeff Town. This is a production from Echoes and BRX. Dream Dream still going after 55 years. The latest incarnation of the group has returned to the roots of the band, but with an updated feel. You can hear our interview with them and digging back in the Echoes podcast. I'll have a link to it in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. That posting will also have a link to our list of 10 Tangerine Dream albums to blow your mind. Guess which one is number one? I also wrote a meditation on Phaedra, which you will also find at echoes.org in the reviews and commentary section. Once again, all that great stuff is at echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. I'm John DiLiberto. Thanks for traveling back in time with me as we celebrate Tangerine Dream and Phaedra. It's been a long, spacey trip. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.